I will always want to look in the driveway and see uh, my escape, like see a way out of, you know, even just for the weekend or whatever. I would love to be able to just always jump in whatever rig I have in the driveway and go. This is the final goal for me. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 442. At 528 miles, South Africa's Route 62, which stretches between Cape Town and Port Elizabeth, is the longest wine route in the world. And we missed it last time we were there. Time to go back. It's summer, and for me, summer has always been synonymous with freedom. And it's not that I didn't like school. I mean, obviously, in fact, I like school so much that I did whole formal high school education, then four years of undergrad, then back to graduate school, and I was a teacher. So I, I like school, and I like the idea of learning. But that being said, the other three months, other than summer, fall, winter, and spring, always for me, were so structured and so regimented. And that's why I loved summer so much, because it meant freedom. But what's so cool about today's world is that you don't have to be learning in such a structured way. It doesn't mean that you have to be tied down eight, nine hours into a classroom every single day during those three months. Because Oregon State eCampus knows it's important to have the freedom to roam as you continue your education. And they have over 85 different degrees that you can pursue all online, everything from business to conservation to natural science, computer science, digital arts. It's a whole breadth of things that you can study all while getting to be out there and to be free. And they do a really, really bang up job of it. That's why they're ranked number four in the U.S. News and World Report And all their programs are developed by the same faculty who teach on the campus, but they're designed to help you get out there into the world. You've got freedom and you still get to learn. You can do that by checking out everything that they have to offer over at ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash peanuts. That's ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash peanuts. If you use our link, the good people over at Oregon State will know that you came from the EPOP podcast. So one more time, that's ecampus.oregonstate.edu slash peanuts. Go check out all the programs that they offer over there. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is a fellow podcast host, someone who also owns a van, but hers is infinitely nicer than mine, and who has been on the road for almost three, four years now with her dogs, Sydney Furbrosh from DivineOnTheRoad.com. Sydney, thanks for joining me. Huge welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And give you a little behind the scenes, everyone. Sydney got to treat herself today. So tell everyone how you're treating yourself. 
Yeah, so there's like a massive heat wave right now where I am. I'm, I mean, I think it's pretty much everywhere, but I'm in the like Montana, Idaho area um, and it's super hot and I have dogs. And if I wanted to do all of my cooling tricks of like windows down, vent fan on, I didn't think the sound would be so great. So I was like, you know what? Let me get a hotel. And I was like actually thinking right before this, all the funny ways. I'll probably make a video about it just because it is like van life people when we get a hotel. I mean, we like shower four times. I'll like uh, wash my dogs if I can, like fill up my seven gallon tank, charge literally everything. Like we take such advantage of having a hotel room. Like, I mean, it's not even that they're that expensive, but yeah, you kind of, it's like a pride thing. You know, you don't want to get a hotel too often because then you're just not real van life is like how people think of it, uh, which is ridiculous. But yeah, I'm excited to have some temperature control in here and my dogs are just chilling and the air conditioning and yeah it's super nice luxury please do a video of that be like what a van lifer fits into 14 hours you know time span in a hotel room or whatever and that would be great that would be awesome i know well i just started tiktok i like was one of them i was just like everybody else and i was like i'm not doing it i'm not doing it and then i got it and after a few days i was like i'm spending so much time on this i need to at least be productive by creating on it um and it's actually been so much fun and now i've kind of fallen down the rabbit hole all right. Nice. Also, I love, I do the same thing, not that I'm a van lifer, but whenever we do get hotels and we're traveling, especially if we get a nicer hotel after being in, you know, more budget accommodations, whatever, it, I'll do the whole like, hey, can we check in early? You know, really try to get them, let us check in early. Can we check out late? So, you know, the typical window of like 4 p.m. to 10 a.m., we try to go, hey, can we do 10 a.m. to maybe 4 p.m.? You know, just squeeze in 28 hours into one paid night. So, yeah, that's actually funny that you say that because I called yesterday and I was like, hey, I have this interview. Is it at all possible to check in at like 11? And they ended up letting me do it. And usually check in is what, 2 or 3 p.m. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of snuck in a handful of extra hours there, which I was not mad about. Nice. So we've had a decent amount of van lifers on before, and we've talked about van life and, and all that, but none since COVID hit. So what has been the experience living in a van? I mean, during these unprecedented times, has it, obviously it's been different. How has it been different? And maybe how has it been different specifically for a van lifer versus you know, someone who is living a more traditional life of I'm in a house. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, primarily it's our showering situation. We shower at gyms almost exclusively. Um, and now that gyms are closed and even the ones that are starting to reopen are keeping their showers closed. Uh, cause that's something that's getting used by so many people, which in my personal opinion, it's the cleanest place in the gym, but I digress. Um, but they're keeping those closed. And so we have no way of showering. And so we've all had to kind of get creative with solar showers, like little 12 volt showers that you can order from Amazon truck stuff. Um, I'll probably take like a thousand showers while I'm here at the hotel for the night. Um, so that has probably had like the, the biggest impact area, but also just like national parks closing down. And that's a lot of like a reason why people do van life. And so them not being able to do that for such a significant amount of time or just not really, you know, in a lifestyle that's already pretty uncertain. It's not exactly the most like stable, you know, ask uh, kind of life. 
I think the added uncertainty and stress really got to a lot of people, especially like new van lifers. I think somebody who is a little bit more seasoned, I've been on the road for almost three years. Um, and so it didn't really scare me much. I had some campsites planned out. I could go quarantine there with a couple of friends safely for a long period of time. But for people who didn't know what BLM was and they don't know where to go or what to do, um, I think something like COVID was probably super intimidating for them having just hit the road. How did it change any travel plans you had? Were there things that you were going to do that now you scrapped? Yeah, so I I was so excited to go to Alaska and I had never been to like the western half of Canada. I've done a lot of Quebec, but I'd never done British Columbia and go to all, you know, on my way to Alaska and do all that crazy, amazing, beautiful stuff. And so I was really excited. And then they closed the border to Canada. And so I have no way of getting there, um, which is why I detoured from the Pacific Northwest to Montana and Idaho and this area that I'm currently in. How far are you usually planning in advance? You know, not let's let's not even say COVID time, but just in general over your last three years, how far are you looking ahead and has it changed since you started? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, when I first hit the road, it's like, you really want to just go everywhere. You're like, I've seen photos of this place and I know about this place and I want to go to that one place. And so you're really moving super quick. And then after a while, you're like, okay, it's, I've done the fast paced thing. I'm ready to kind of mellow out a little. Um, but I don't really plan as in, I'm going to go here and then there and then there like months in advance, but I've known that I want to go to Yellowstone in the fall. And so I, and I go there every fall. And so I just know roughly about October, I would like to be Wyoming. And then I, I'm from Indiana. And so I like to be there for Christmas. And so I can kind of usually go, you know, west ish beginning of the year, especially when it's cold, it's better to be in California anyway, so you're not freezing. Um, and then kind of migrate my way to Wyoming for the fall somewhere, do some stuff in between and then hit Indiana in the winter. And I kind of keep course with that every year. I mean, it's most people in vans tend to go south for the winter and north for the summer because you're trying to like, you know, stay within weather. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's interesting. So you have like a bit of flag posts kind of in your in your calendars of like, all right, I don't know the exact dates, but here's where I want to be. And then from there, it's a little more fly by the seat of your pants when you're talking about you know, the in-between stages of getting there. Yeah, because I never know if I'm going to like a campsite or when someone's going to like roll up on your campsite and then it kind of kills the mood and you're like, oh, I was going to stay here for a week. I think I'm just going to leave after day three or there's no cell service. And so I planned on staying here for a week, but now I can only stay here for one night because I need to leave tomorrow and get internet so I can work. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of, I think when you first leave, you do really just plan because it's so exciting to plan. And then as you realize that your plans are just getting annihilated and there's no reason to do it and it's a waste of time, you slowly start to be like, you know what? I Like you said, I'm going to kind of just put the poles down in the middle of the year where I know I want to be. And then other than that, it's just kind of free reign. For you, because you're doing it as, as a lifestyle, right? Like when I did it, it was, hey, I'm doing this as a road trip, you know, two totally different things. Like one, you kind of have set points, destinations, and you, you're like, I'm doing this a bit indefinitely. When you first started out, like, was that, I, obviously it was exhilarating, but was it also daunting of saying like, oh my gosh, this is just open-ended. I can go anywhere. Like, wh what do I pick? How do I even begin? Right. I, I don't know 
I have no idea why. I chose Yellowstone when I very first moved into my van. I don't, and like, it's funny because that's where I'm going now, but um, I was moving into my van roughly fall and I'd never been to Yellowstone. I hadn't really been anywhere, so I have no idea why. I just saw Yellowstone on the map and I was like, there. Like, it's far enough away from Indiana that it looks good and it's not too far. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of randomly chose that. So it wasn't difficult to choose a destination. I, I mean, I'm happy I did because I don't really get... Uh, too connected to places. I mean, you kind of can't when you live in a van, you're constantly leaving. But the one place that I feel emotionally connected to is Yellowstone and Grand Teton, just like the Wyoming area, because it was, you know, this huge weight off my shoulders. Like, it's definitely daunting, but then you have the stress of the build and just the purchase of the van in general and like all these things. How am I going to make money? And like, there's a, a few months at least that you are stressing. And so when you first get into the van, like the daunting feeling is there, but it's like in the back of your head, you know, like you're kind of just faced with, you know, what you're going to do from that point. So it just, yeah, I, I was excited, but I was so relieved that like, that was done. Like the build is done. I don't have to worry about if I'm going to do van life anymore or telling people I'm thinking about doing van life. Like now I'm at least doing it. The wheels are turning. I'm on the road. I'm like, at least that is behind me. And so then you can kind of, you just take it, I mean, day by day, which sounds cheesy, but it's literally all you got to do. <laughs> like you kind of just have to find a place to sleep, wake up, do the same thing. You know, like it, if you look at it big picture, I think it's a little bit more intimidating than if you just you're just living day by day. Yeah, let's let's go through the decision to even start a van life. Because like you said, it's one thing to say, all right, I'm going to do it. To then go through all the things that you have to do to get to the point where you're actually sitting in the seat behind the steering wheel, pulling out of the driveway and, and being on your way. So what, like, when did you first start thinking about it? Were there reasons behind it? Did you know other people doing it? So talk, take us all the way back to like when it first germinated in your head of like, I might want to do this. And then through actually leaving. Yeah. So I, like I said, I grew up in Indiana. Um, I, I had never done really much traveling at all. Like it's such a Midwestern idea to like go to Florida for vacations. And so literally all we did growing up was like once a year to go visit my grandparents in Florida at their house. Um, and so that's really the only traveling experience I had. Um, and so then I went to Chicago for college and that was like a big deal. I was leaving kind of small town Indiana. I'm from Indianapolis, but a real far side of it. So it's still like really small town vibes. Um, and so I went to Chicago. It was a big deal for me. None of my friends were going to Chicago. They were all going to state schools in Indiana. And uh, I just started meeting all these people in like at my school in Chicago from around the world. And that was like my first culture shock of like meeting people from different countries and being in Chicago itself where it's a big city, there's people from everywhere. And so, I mean, that was super exciting. I kind of fell in love with just the idea of leaving. Um, and so I took a couple trips while I was in college. I met a friend who was from Belgium. So we went to Europe and we kind of backpacked together. She had family in different parts of Europe. So it felt safer. Um, as someone who had never done it before. And then after my trip with her, I was like super hooked. And I was like, okay, I need to find a place where I can go by myself. And for some reason, South Africa ended up being the place I chose um, as my first solo trip ever, which was incredible. I backpacked South Africa and went to Swaziland after that to do some missions work. And then came home and I started researching ways that I could kind of do it more as a lifestyle. Like, cause you see 
these people on social media and they are doing it as their lifestyle. And you're like, how are they making that work? I don't understand. But I really had this mentality of like, if they're doing it, I can do it. Like, there's no reason that I can, I'm, I'm young. I'm, I'm in college. Like I, I, there's, there's gotta be an answer here that I can be doing the same thing that they're doing. So I, at the time I'm still working 70 hours a week at this insane restaurant. I was doing event management uh, for a, a restaurant and then the connected hotel and another hotel. It was ridiculous. But like I had to be at work literally anytime there was an event. So we'd have a breakfast event. I had to be there at 5 a.m. to help set up. And then I would have a wedding reception and be there until 1 a.m. And so, I mean, it was just nonstop. And um, I, I was just kind of a walking shell of a person. And in the back of my head, I have this like burning fire to leave and travel. And uh, so one day I walked into work and my boss was uh, an absolute lunatic. Like the Chicago restaurant industry is just infamous for absurdity. Like it, there's just so much stuff going on there that's not the greatest. It's not the greatest environment. Um, and so he had thought that I was late to work that day and I wasn't. And for absolutely no reason at all, which he did this all the time, he just fired me on the spot. And I had a horrible panic attack. I walk out of the restaurant. I'm like freaking out. And a couple days before this, I had kind of come across van life and it looked interesting, but I didn't have a van. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and so a few hours after I get fired, the owners of the restaurant call me and they were like, you're not fired, please. No, it's fine. Like we, we want you to come back. Like I had all these events planned, right? Like I've planned literal like wedding receptions. And so they were like, please don't leave. Like we kind of do need you. He just did this thing on the spot for no reason. Um, but I kind of decided right then I'm either going to go back tomorrow. I'm either going to walk back into that environment and that space and just fall back into getting a paycheck every two weeks, which is really comfortable. And or, you know, I can go this complete opposite direction of figuring something out, whether it's the van life or whatever I come across. Um, and it was kind of good timing because I had a lease that was up in like the next month or something. And I had a pretty hefty savings account because I knew for two years at this point, um, that I wanted to do something. I wasn't sure what it was going to be, but I was just saving every dollar I had. I didn't spend much money at all for somebody who was living in Chicago. And so once I get fired, a ton of research started to kind of ensue. And I got a van at the time I was with a partner and so we kind of went into it 50-50. It was really messy and confusing. And he didn't really want to do van life, but his girlfriend wanted to do van life. So he kind of felt obligated to do it. And so we ended up living in this van together for eight or nine months, traveling. Um, and I'm, I know I'm skipping a chunk of the build and stuff, but we basically moved back to Indianapolis to my parents' house, had my dad's best friend and his friend. So a contractor and an electrician build out the van. Uh, so which was much cheaper than having like a professional van builder do it. And we hit the road, stayed in there for eight or nine months and then broke up like a lot of, a lot of like, not, I don't want to say a lot of van couples cause a lot of people can make it work, but when both people are just not in it, it's just not happening. Like it, it was just not, it was bound to fail from the beginning. And I was so passionate about what we had been doing. It had felt like a road trip up until that point, which really bothered me. I've always been the type of person when I'm traveling, I don't want to feel like a tourist. I want the real version of where I am. I don't want the like fluffy tourist places and stuff like that. And so this feeling of just like road tripping in my van, just always like, that's kind of what he wanted. Not really. I, I was like, no, I want to be living in this thing. I want to be. And he just thought of it very short term. So we broke up. 
in the heat of the moment, he got angry and said some things. And I was like, you know what? You take the van. You have the van. I don't even care. Like, I'll start over. Because he basically was saying, I know you've always wanted this. Like, you wanted to just go live in a van by yourself. But you just dragged me along. And I was like, that's not true. Take the van. You'll see. And which was (laughs) ridiculous because I put half the money into it. And so, yeah, that's a that's a big way to prove him wrong, right? It, I mean, it was ridiculous. I, like thinking back, I, I mean, the, as I walked out of the room that day, I was like, "What did I just do?" Um, but there was kind of no going back. I think I had too much ego at the time to say anything or do anything. But it is what it is at this point. It did nothing but help long term. Uh, and so I went home to Indianapolis with nothing at that point, and. I had some money left in my savings. I had been working while we were in that van, just like freelance stuff and just to kind of keep us afloat and not burn through my savings. And so I still had a little bit of savings and I just started working crazy, like as much as I could online. I I was like not getting a nine to five job. I started doing stuff for uh, my dad's company, like stuffing envelopes and like random stuff that he would just like pay me cash to do this thing for the day. Um, And I was like freelance writing, freelance editing, doing like video editing. I was uh, a web designer for different brands. I had my own website where I started learning about affiliate marketing and uh, running ads on my website and just kind of trying to hustle, I guess is the best word to say it, like make as much money as possible. So I ended up financing my current van and uh, had the same two guys, my dad's friends, build it out for me. They knew the predicament that I was in, so they definitely gave me a way better deal than I should have gotten. And so then I got in my van. I think it took about eight weeks to build that van. I, I probably was out of a van between the breakup and moving into this one for about four months. And then moved in this, got my first dog, hit the road, and then along the way, I picked up another dog, adopted <laughs> adopted my second dog, Pearl. And yeah, now we've just been cruising. Sorry, that's, I know this is a very long story. That's basically like my life in a nutshell, I guess. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear the life because now we'll dive into a little bit of the details. So first off, your dog, Ella the Van Dog, at Ella the Van Dog on Instagram, has way more followers than I do. So what is she doing right? What am I doing wrong? Why is Ella so popular? Um, I mean, people just fell in love with her. I have like social anxiety, hardcore. It's gotten a lot better. I'm very open about mental health. I talk about it a lot. Um, And so when I first moved into the van and I really wanted to be doing social media, I just didn't have the courage to put my face on camera. I just was so uncomfortable with it. And I didn't want to talk to the camera. I didn't want to do anything. And so it was so much easier for me to like bypass myself and just show my dog all all day, every day. And so that's kind of what I did for the first year of the van. I just did nothing but record like my dog's point of view in different national parks and wherever we would go. It was always just her on camera. And so, I mean, I ended up starting an Instagram for her and it it does well because a lot of people who follow me, they follow me really closely. I've been so lucky to have such a, I hate the word like loyal because that sounds, I feel like rude, but like they're very like we're connected, like me and my audience, I think are really, really connected. And because of that, a lot of the people who follow me also follow Ella because they love her just as much. And they all want me to start an Instagram for Pearl as well. But I don't, (laughs) I just don't have the time in my day to be running so many uh, social media accounts. I was going to ask you because Pearl's left out, but I, in a similar vein, I started Instagram for our first kid, my son Whitaker. People love it have a daughter now. She's 11 months old. People are like, when are you starting your Instagram? I'm like, 
I, I can't even keep up with two. Like I'm a horrible at, at social media. I actually love posting on his way more than my own because it's, it kind of just seems like, eh, whatever. Like I don't care what I put up there because it's just a kid's Instagram, right? It's essentially for me and the memories. You talk about building out the van and, um, and you got like, not lucky. You had a good opportunity. Definitely lucky. I'm fine with that word. Yeah. Yeah. For, for friend, for friends and friends of friends to build it out. And you have a lot of information on your site. So if you guys want to really dive in deep, go to our site. Like there's a lot there, but I just want for someone who's like, all right, interested in this, maybe even like, I'm going to do it. What are the first things they should think about when it goes to like, what even, what type of van should I consider? What size, you know, what should they be looking out for? The number one thing is budget. You do not need a $60,000 van. Not worth it. Not a thing. Don't do it. Even if you're going to be living in it like full time, you don't, you just don't need that type of van. It is so unnecessary to me. If you have a lot of money, go for it. Like there's definitely no shame in someone who has worked hard their whole lives and you have that type of money. If that's what you want, okay, fine. But for the people who see those vans and you know, you see this super fancy sprinter and then you go look it up and you're like, well, I don't have 60, 70 grand laying around. Then those kind of people get so discouraged and they don't think that they can do van life and they don't know that you can get a Chevy Express for five to $10,000 financed and you can hit the road, like throw a mattress and a cooler in there and build as you go like build as you make money. There's so many ways to do it. You just don't need, I, and this is coming from someone who does have a really nice build. And I know that I, I was lucky to have uh, my dad's friend to be a contractor and him know an electrician so well. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, also work your connections, I guess, is my second thing. Like, if you do know anybody, like, get them pizza. If you ask them for help, get, buy them some beer and pizza every day that you guys are working. Pay them anything that you can, you know, if it's a good friend, like, just do what you can for that person. And obviously negotiate beforehand so they don't feel like they're getting gypped or whatever. But you just do not need a fancy belt. If you do want a nicer quote unquote van. Uh, personally, I have a Ford Transit. My first van with that ex-partner of mine was a cheap Sprinter. Um, you can get like old Sprinters because they started making them in early 2000s. And so you can get a cheaper one, but the cheaper ones fall apart at the seams. There's nothing holding them together. I do not like Sprinters. I'm highly anti-Sprinter because I lived in one. And there were so many problems with it. And every time you need to get work done, you almost always have to go to a Sprinter uh, dealership. You can go to a Sprinter certified mechanic. They're few and far between. And when you're traveling in the middle of Los Alamos, New Mexico, which is where I was when our hours broke down, there was no Sprinter certified mechanic there. If you're primarily in San Diego, you've probably got one. But like, if you're traveling, no. And so we go to the nearest dealership, which you have to tow two hours away. And it was like a $10,000 fix. You can't finance that. You, you have to pay them. I mean, we're just giving credit card after credit card trying to get like, I mean, this is our car. It's our house. It has all of our things. Like we needed that van back. And so we had to give them every dollar that we possibly could. And ever since, like, as soon as that happened, we got back in the van and every time there was a creak or a noise or anything, we were like, oh my God, oh my God, is this going to happen again? And it was just constant anxiety. And so with the Ford Transit, 
I mean, knock on wood, I've not had a single issue. It's a Ford, so parts are from the United States, which just means they're cheaper and they're easy, more easily accessible. Um, it's a Sprinters are a European vehicle, if you don't know, and so things often have to come from Germany, which means you're staying at a hotel for weeks, um, and they're just wildly expensive. And so, I mean, Ford and the Dodge Promaster are both better options than the Sprinter. Personally, I like the Transit because I know this is like nitty gritty details. So if you're not interested in this, I'm sorry, I'll go over briefly. But like the rear axle of a Promaster is like dang near dragging on the ground. So if you plan on kind of off-roading a bit, it might be more difficult. Uh, But they're still a lot more budget friendly than a Sprinter. And you can just get a lot newer Promaster and Transit than you can a Sprinter. And when you get an older Sprinter, because you're on a budget, it's going to fall apart. Even like general maintenance. Like I have a few friends who, like, it's kind of funny. They've just always sworn by Sprinters. They had Sprinters and they were like, no, 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 we love, as long as you take care of it, Sydney, it does phenomenally. And I'm like, okay, what, what does it take to take care, like take care of that van? And they're like, I mean, you just have to go in every five to 10,000 miles. You give, you know, it's like a thousand to $3,000 for general maintenance. I'm like, I'm driving across the country constantly. You mean to tell me I need to pay $2,000 every time I drive across the country? Um, And the thing is, when you don't have to do that, why would you do that? My transit doesn't require that at all. Like, I get a $40 oil change. I get brake pads and rotors done by literally any mechanic I can come across. And you're good to go. So it's just unnecessary. And why I mentioned those two friends is because both of those friends this summer sold their vans and got transits. So I don't think they're in as in love with the Sprinter as they claim to be. Nice. This is the real talk (laughs) that we need. And this is why I love having people on the podcast because again, knowing not that much about van life, like, like being around it, having friends who do it, you know, this and that most people, their first call is like or protocol is like sprinter vans because yeah they're cool and they're you see them on instagram and they're a hundred thousand dollars and i have a buddy who has a hundred thousand dollars sprinter van is it awesome of course it's awesome it's a hundred thousand dollars it better be awesome and so i i love hearing that because there's so much that people just wouldn't be able to figure out until they were in it and you being able to say hey if you're on some sort of budget you're gonna have to get an older one and an older one's not gonna be great because like you mentioned everyone that i know that loves sprinters has a lot of money or, or or has invested a lot of money to have a new one and okay that's it's like buying a new car or a new house probably not gonna break for the first five years that that bad but then what you know and um yeah, I never met anyone who had an older sprinter, like one as old as you did. So it's good to hear the real dirt. Nice. It's the real tea. I'm telling you right now, just to just avoid it at all costs. It's fine. Even with the newer sprinters, they just require a lot more maintenance, which like you said, they're phenomenal looking vans. Like when I first got my transit, I was like, Ugh, I just want a sprinter because that's what the cool kids have. And then like now, you know, fast forward to over two years in my transit. I'm like, yeah, transit life all the way. I'm not messing with no sprinter anymore. Not happening. <laughs> Nice. Love it. All right. Well, let's keep the real talk going. What are the worst parts of van life that people wouldn't think of? Like there's probably things like, yeah, you think this might kind of suck and and it and it does, but what are the things that you're like you never would have imagined being like a, a con to to van life? 
I don't know. I, I really do think, to be perfectly honest, that I did. I did. I'm such a researcher that I definitely went into it. I think knowing a lot of what the cons would be, although I don't think most people do. And it's different when you're hit in the face with it, right? Like I kind of expected when my first tire blows out, it's probably going to suck because I'm by myself and I have to handle this entire situation alone. Um, and so I knew it wouldn't be fun. And then it happened. I was on a highway and I just didn't get my tires rotated like an idiot. That's another piece of advice. Like pay attention to your van if you're freaking living in it. Um, but I didn't. And so my tire blew out and I was like going 60 on a highway. And so my van is just you're shaking horribly. And I get to the shoulder of the highway. I was safe. It was okay. But now I'm sitting on the side of a highway alone and frankly scared because I'm by myself. I have two dogs with me. And I'm so I'm like pulling Ella on the leash and holding Pearl. And I'm on the phone with the guy, you know, who's coming to help me. And like, because while I can change a spare tire, I'm not doing it on the side of a highway with two dogs and a lot going on. Like I probably would mess something up. I pay for AAA. Um, and so, yeah, I just called someone to come help me do it. He came, he did that. And so I think people, especially if you're going to be alone, you just have to really get in tune with the go with the flow attitude and like in moments of chaos and madness and scary stuff going on because it's going to happen you really just have to practice which will also come in time and with the more things that do happen um being able to take a moment take a breath be like okay I'm the adult right here like I basically have my two kids with me and I have to man up and like that's such a horrible saying I can't say that in 2020 but like you know what I mean <laughs> you have to like I have to take charge right now and do what needs to be done, basically, and not freak out and not panic or cry. And so I just, you just learn to kind of do it. But I think other things are, you know, staying at a campsite, I fall in love with a campsite, I don't want to leave and somebody potentially take it. So you just go like 10 to 14 days without taking an actual shower. I'm just like, you know, solar showering. I, my van is so much dirtier. I did just do a TikTok on this um, because it's, you see, and I've, I'm so guilty of it. I do van tours often for different like van tour channels and stuff on YouTube and they want the pretty stuff. So I give them the pretty stuff. But every time I'm always just like, okay, well, let's not show the trimming on the floor of this van because it's caked and dirt and grime and nasty and scratches from the dogs. And I mean, it looks horrible. My flooring is literally coming up in pieces right now because it's, I mean, I've, I've dumped probably 800 water bowls like dog for my dogs all on the flooring. And between that, having sand from the beach in it and all this stuff, I mean, it's just literally coming up. And so my van itself just doesn't look like what it probably appears to be online because it, it's, hard to kind of play the game of social media, but also stay as realistic as possible, which is why I ended up doing the podcast in the first place, honestly, because I was like, there's a lot of missing pieces in between these photos that I'm taking that people deserve to know. Um, so yeah, I mean, showering, van falling apart, mechanics of being alone, especially and like figuring out van stuff. And then also, I never thought that I would be going to the bathroom in a hole in the ground that I just dug. Um, and doing that for days on end while my friends are like a hundred yards away at a campsite. And, you know, and I'm like walking in heels at my events management job. That's not really what I had imagined for my life a couple years ahead, but just did that for weeks in quarantine. So now I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of been inducted into the van life world officially. 
you've made it. You've earned your chops now into the van life world. No one's posting photos of that. Yeah. So you mentioned this, uh, you know, with the dogs, too. That's a good point. You know, you it's hard enough to keep a van clean. Obviously, you're living in it like you are. You're doing everything in this little box. And, you know, people again, yeah, think it should look perfect or on Instagram. It does look perfect. But then you throw dogs on top of it, two dogs. So what has that been like for you? Like what is I guess? How does it change the way that you're doing van life? And again, what would you kind of say are the pros? And I Again, I don't want to say cons because you probably, Ella's great. I mean, come on, you got to follow her Instagram. But what are the things that people should at least consider? Like before you get a dog, hey, this is how things are going to be different. You have to be ready for this. Yeah, I mean, so it's very different depending on how you're introducing the specific dog into van life. Like Ella doesn't know any other life. I got her as a puppy, whereas I introduced Pearl as a seven-year-old that I adopted. And so- Raising a puppy in a van who's eight weeks old is a beast in of itself. Uh, like, I was terrified. I mean, I'm a new mom, essentially. Like, she, I do view them as my children, so I'm just going to start off the bat there. But, like, I, I'm so I'm a new mother, so I'm terrified of every waking thing that she does. And I also am now living in a van alone for the first time. So I don't know how long she can stand the stay in the van. I don't know what to feed her. I don't know, like, can we go to dog parks? Has she had the right shots? Do I have all her forms in this stacked folder that I've now acquired? And is she up to date on all these things while we're moving around? And you don't know, like, there's fleas here and there's ticks there and there's this there. And, like, you have to be so aware of what your dog is susceptible to and what they've been vaccinated for or whatever is going. Like, you just... There's a lot to keep in mind, especially with such a young puppy who is susceptible to everything, um, who eats everything. She had to have surgery, which was, it was like an emergency surgery. They didn't think she was going to make it. And she's like five months old. And I'm just like alone in this vet's office shaking, like what's going on? Like, this is my child. Um, and dealing with stuff like that by yourself, like you're going to, especially if you don't have a partner in the van, like you are dealing with, it's just me with a dog, like you kind of, especially on a long driving day, where am I going to take her out? She has to go out every two hours. Has she, you know, like there's just, they have to be interwoven into every moment of your day. And like, you have to plan everything you do around your dogs and you have to be ready for that in van life much more so than in a house. They can't walk around in my van, stretch their legs and do all of that, that they can in a house. They can't go from room to room. I have to be very conscientious of them having plenty of exercise, having making sure that we're not living in the van and that we're living out of it. Like that's a really common phrase in van life, but you really have to make sure you know, I don't want to get out of bed until noon. Not really an option. Like you don't really get to do that when you have dogs or like children. Um, and then when I introduced Pearl into van life, she'd been crated her whole life, uh, is what the previous owners had told the shelter. And so she's going from having a permanent crate and not exploring at all, literally even the house that she was in to having full access to the entire world and changing environments every single day. And so I kind of had to be you know, aware of the fact that Ella now is great off leash, but is Pearl going to be great off leash? Because I refuse to have, you know, pulling two leashes constantly when you're hiking 10 miles. I don't want to do that. And so now I have to train this seven-year-old Chihuahua who's four and a half pounds versus my two-year-old 50-pound golden retriever. Like, you know, it's just different in every circumstance and you know your dog's best and you just have to 
you they're learning a new lifestyle as much as you are. And so I also think when you see photos of like puppy van life, that looks great. Love that. Do not under any circumstances. I'm also vegan. So I'm like diehard animal <laughs> animals, but like do not get a dog for the sake of social media. Do not get a dog if you are not a thousand percent ready to take on any responsibility that comes with it. If you have to get rid of your van because of your dog, then that's the, like, you have to choose the dog. The dog is the living thing here. So you have to be able to, like, you know, live and breathe this and not get stuck on the van life aspect of things. And so if you're not willing to give up the van life, idealistic thing that you're picturing don't get the dog because that's what you're gonna have to choose at the end of the day rant over uh, there you go that's (laughs) that is the definitive thing like can i will i give up my life you know the life that i've created this van life idea for for a pet for an animal for a dog for a kid however you want whatever emotional attachment you have to it yeah yeah i've just seen people get dogs and kind of take them back to or like take them to a shelter or you know they're just it's not what they expected and it's kind of like well you took on the role of parent and you don't really get to give that up. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. What about then the best part of van life that people wouldn't think of? Because again, if you're listening to this, you probably haven't either, either you love every episode, thank you, or you're like, I have an interest in van life, even if you're not going to do it. Uh, but you like, you're, you're interested in the idea. So I, there's a lot that's great about it, right? You get to see the world. You're mobile. You can go anywhere you want. Like it's, it, there's a romantic, idealistic notion of it, which is for a reason. And I've done a little bit of it, and it is awesome. But what are the parts that you've like never would have imagined being so good when you first started? Yeah, I don't think I knew. I knew that it was going to be very freeing and that's what I was ready for. I felt very confined in my life before that and having to do the job I was doing and live in the city I was living and all of that. So I was really ready for the freedom and like expansion of just having, you know, I can choose whatever I want kind of whenever I want. I was really looking forward to that. But I did not know. First of all, I did not know how bad my mental health was until I left that space. Like I I was so stuck in it that I just tunnel visioned like what I needed to get done every day. And it wasn't until I kind of released myself from that or my boss kind of did that for me, but I realized, wow, I have a lot of work that needs to be done to get to where I need to be as an adult, like to be a functioning person and to be happy and okay with who I am. And so between the beauty of van life, the challenges that come with it, the constant choices that you get to make, like you find who you are in a the weirdest most in-depth like every crevice and corner of who you are as a person I spend so many days completely alone just with my dogs and even people who have partners like you're gonna get to know your partner in that way like you get to know just everything about who you are as a person and just you know like I said the having choices and getting to choose it sounds great but like The confidence that you get to build by making daily choices, all the choices, like it just builds so much confidence in making decisions for yourself because you're making so many small decisions every day. And so just like my self-esteem as a person has gone from astronomically low to astronomically high because I just feel so good in like as the person that I am and I didn't have that before and I didn't know that that's what I needed or that that's what I was going to get out of van life but like I like to think that's kind of you know the reason something was pulling me so hard towards living this way 
Mm, yeah, that's that's so empowering because it yeah, you of course you until you pull yourself out of a situation, you can't know what it looked like. You can't have the perspective because you're you're in it. And so I think that's one of the things, whether it be van life or travel in general, that that I think a lot of us are craving when we say we want to travel. Yes, we want to see the sights, yes, we want to eat the good food, all that, but you want to figure out who you really are and and come out a better person because you've you can't be on autopilot when you're traveling, you know, for the most part, right? When you're at home, you could be on autopilot, even if it's a grind, like you said, and you're working 78 hours a week. That's not fun, but you could still, you know, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And as soon as you land in another country, as soon as you pull out in that van, you don't know what's going to happen because you haven't experienced it. And you have to make a thousand decisions. And when you make those decisions, you're giving yourself permission to enjoy something, but you're also giving yourself like as you said, permission to have confidence in yourself that you're making the right decision, you know, and, and then go back and say like, I did this, you know, like I built this life because not, not someone else, not a boss, not a job, not someone giving me a leg up, but like I did it and I can be confident in who I am now. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, I love that. that. I had that feeling you saying that just like totally brought me back to the moment when I landed in South Africa, like that because I wasn't nervous at all. And my parents were a nervous wreck. And I was like, I'm going to be great. What are you talking about? I'm strong, independent woman. And then I landed and I was like, oh my God, what did I do? And it wasn't until I kind of got to the like hostel or I don't remember if it was an Airbnb or wherever I was. And I remember kind of chilling out, thinking things through, starting to kind of plan a little bit, you know, what, like where I was going to go and what I was going to do. Um, but yeah, I just remember having that moment of like, oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I am by myself across the world. <laughs> like I can't call my mom and ask her what I should do. She has no idea. What should people consider, specifically women consider when going to be a solo traveler in advance? So we could talk generalities of like, if you're solo, here's what you should be thinking about anyway. But then I want to drill a little bit into if you're a woman and you're solo, what are the things that, again, just things that you've learned, like here are kind of, you know, a lack of a better word, a checklist of things that I just make sure that I do to make sure that I feel comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I I think like the the biggest thing that just kind of goes off in my head, like when asked this type of thing is just uh, like safety, obviously. As women, we so badly want to be like, you know, no, we are strong. We can take care of ourselves. We're fine. It's not a big deal. But like there is a reality to being vulnerable as a young woman by myself on the road. I have no choice but to acknowledge that. And so, you know, when you acknowledge it, at least you can then take the precautions and the steps forward to be much safer. And I always say like from the very beginning, okay, you want to do van life, immediately start thinking about how to implement ways to stay safe, whether that's in your build, how you're going to make money, like don't get involved with, you know, certain anything. Like you just have to be super aware of absolutely everything. I put a pocket door in my van specifically. So if someone breaks into the front, I'm locked into the back with an actual structure in between us. No, it's not going to buy me three hours. It's not impossible to get to me, but it's a lot harder than just swinging open a curtain and taking me or, you know, just whatever. Um, And so just that pocket door, having some sort of barrier makes me sleep better at night. And that is what is the most important. Like you're going to have way more nights, hopefully 
exclusively all nights where nothing happened. So you need to be able to sleep during those nights. And so do whatever it takes. Like, I, uh, I sleep next to my keys. I lock the doors, obviously, but I sleep right next to my keys in case I need to grab them and go or in case I just need to hit the alarm button. Um, the pocket door, like I said, just I, you also have to learn as a woman to kind of look mean all the time. Like unless I'm walking around during the day just with my dogs at a dog park or something. You know, at night, I'm a different person. I'll smile all day long. But if I have to walk my dogs in a parking lot at night and I see anyone from across the way making eye contact with me, I make sure that they see the fact that I'm holding my keys. I'm likely holding my pepper spray. I give them the meanest look of all time and just the acknowledgement of like, I see you. Like, I will stare them down so they know that like, you're, you're not watching me here. I'm watching you. And they see my dogs and all of that. And so I think just being a solo woman, the most... The most obvious thing, but like, I don't want to say underrated because I, like, you know, you get asked about it a lot, but at the same time, I don't think people know as interwoven as I was talking about the dogs having to be like, it's just the same way with safety. And so being on the road period, like you learn to have a guard at all times and always just like your, my mind is kind of always going And then that's why when you get to a campsite and you can kind of chill and relax and stuff. But I I always tell my parents, and I'm really lucky to have my parents living in Indiana in a house together where I can see my whole family. Um, I know that's like great privilege, but when I walk through the doors of my parents' house, and I only go there now once a year, but I'll spend a few weeks there. And like, I walk through those doors and I just am like, okay, like all guards are down. I'm not a solo woman on the road today. Like I am literally child in this house. Like I am the, I am the kid here and it's, it's a good feeling. You're, you feel protected instead of having to protect all hours of every day. Um, And you don't realize that it's exhausting at all while you're doing it. It becomes second nature. But as soon as you can have that moment of relief, like, then you realize, like, oh, yeah, okay, my body was tense kind of a little bit for the last year because I haven't visited. Like, I haven't been in my safe space. You know, even at a hotel, it's like, I don't have, my parents aren't here. I don't have, somebody could be watching me in the window. Like, you, you just don't have the same feeling in that, you know, home, home type of place, which is where Indiana is for me. Yeah, we we are recording during the day, so we have smiling Sydney. So I know you yeah. guys can't see the video, but we got smiling Sydney right now. Uh, yeah, and I I'm with you. Like again, it comes to that perspective. Like you don't know that you're so tense and that you're on your guard, and obviously err on that side versus not doing that. But then this feeling, and and I kind of have this when I travel sometimes too. I would rather be on the road than at home most of the time, but. When you get home, even if you're like, yeah, it's not as adventurous, you just can, you're like, ah, this is okay. Like, this is nice. I needed this break and all of us need it. And, and one of the things that, that Heather knew way before me and uh, a woman's intuition, obviously, was when we were just nomadic and traveling around and didn't have a home base. And she was like, no, we need to come back and have a home base. And I thought, no, our identity is as travelers. Like, as soon as we do that, like, Who's going to listen to a podcast to someone who has an office, you know? And, but she knew that that's what we needed. And, you know, within two days of us moving back and I fought it so hard, it was like, whoa, this is like, I didn't know I needed it. I had no idea I needed it. And as soon as I was back, I thought, wow, this is exactly what I needed. Like this gives me a space to unwind a bit. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's so valid that a lot of travelers and a lot of people probably in some sort of niche, whatever that might be, uh, start to, like, I identify myself with van life so innately at this point that I'm just like, who will I be if I'm not living in a van? Like I was actually driving yesterday for a while and I was thinking about that for a long time. In five years, you know, right now my income is based off of living in a van. So although things can obviously change in five years, I can become something else. I didn't anticipate being what I am now, but it's so just, I'm so baffled. I'm just like, what, what will I be? What will I be doing? What people think of me? Like people only like me because I live in a van, which is also not true or like a, a thing I should tell myself. But it is true that you just get so wrapped up in the identity and just what other, like what the outside world is going to perceive you as because you're supposed to be a traveler. You're supposed to be living in a van. Um, and so it's really hard to kind of fight that and stay, you know, within like what you, you know you need. Yeah, you have to do a bit of inner work. And I know that sounds woo-woo-y and I'm not very woo-woo-y, but you have to, at that moment, I had to. I had to be like, I am not, yes, I'm known as a traveler. Yes, we have this, but there's so much more to your personality than just the one thing that maybe the outside world sees. And as soon as you realize that and can lean into that, it, it only makes everything else you do better. You know, like as soon as people do see the other side of it, they're like, whoa, this is a, a regular person, like everything they do, business, their Instagram, their podcast, like it's going to be better because they get a fuller scope of who you are. But we're so afraid sometimes to show all that because you think it is like, oh, like you said, they like me because I'm in a van and I can take pretty pictures in a van and they like my dog. What happens if I don't have a dog? You know, that's not why people like you. You know it inherently, but it's it's something you have to work through. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure even people seeing you like move into a house and, you know, whatever I do as my next steps, like, I'm sure that will speak to a new group of people who only saw me as like this full time van life girl. And they're like, well, I don't want to do that. And then as soon as I'm doing it part time, and I'm also living in an apartment or whatever, you know, then they'll be like, Oh, okay, that is possible. Now I can do that because I want to, you know, like they didn't, the full time thing doesn't appeal to everyone. And I know that. Yeah, I don't. I have never asked my friends this, but I, I had a bunch of entrepreneurial friends who were or travelers too. And after we moved back into our home base, you know, I'm not saying we're the reason or I'm the reason, but what happened is, you know, then one guy was like, "Yeah, you know what? You know, he he had a home base." Then another person a year later, and so again, am I the reason they did it? Probably not. But is it a part of the reason that they saw, oh, Trav did this and here are the benefits and and maybe I feel like I can do it too? Yeah, I think there's a there there's some truth to that. Yeah, for sure. I think seeing someone do it and not fail is a definitely validating and like not only giving you permission, but it is like, oh, okay, I can do this and and still be successful because that's usually what's holding people back. I mean, not to compare something to myself, but like I think that in regards to my friends getting transits, like you see everyone on social media getting sprinters and then your friend gets a transit and it's actually, in my in my opinion, of course, better. But like they see that and they're like, oh, okay, I, we can still do social media stuff and whatever and not just follow what everyone else is doing. We can get a different van that might be better suited for our budget and it'll still be fine. Like we're still going to be living in a van. It's okay. Yeah, completely. So do you have, I mean, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but do you have thoughts on how long you'll you'll do it or 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 even any inklings of what maybe the next step might look like i truly i don't i i really have no idea what would be next i 
I mean, I see myself probably selling this van and just getting another one and living in that full time until my, my next, next steps of living in some other type of structure. But like, I, I really, I love it. And I am 25 with no human kids and no partner as of right now. And so I just, there's really no reason for me to be giving it up. And I do feel, I feel like there's a lot of work for me to still do with myself. Um, and yeah, just like raising my dogs and having a good time and learning about me. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I see no foreseeable future with no van. And I, I mean, I've always said, I think in 20 years, I'll still have a van. I'll just also have a house or something else, but like, I will always want to look in the driveway and see uh, my escape, like see a way out of, you know, even just for the weekend or whatever, I would love to be able to just always jump in whatever rig I have in the driveway and go. Nice. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's why I haven't sold my van. I'm like, I haven't used this very much, but it's there. And if I need it, I can hop in it. Um, what are the what are the strangest places that you've slept before in your three years? Like, do you have kind of, hey, this was cr- strange, crazy, what have you, magical? Just give us some of the best uh, places that you've been. Um, it's a great question. I mean, there's so many great places. I've, I'm very because I'm a solo woman. I'm pretty strict on where I'll sleep. So I don't really sleep in like sketch places, but I do, I mean, I do Walmart parking lots. I do casinos. I do, I just did rest stops for a while in Oregon because you can sleep overnight there. A lot of other states don't allow that. Um, I mean, I do hotel parking lots. I'm a big advocate of slipping into a hotel parking lot late at night and just like staying there. I think in terms of most magical Around Yellowstone, they have some amazing BLM. Around, like, Grand Tetons, which is the same area, amazing BLM. Uh, I quarantined in Joshua Tree, which I know is not magical, nor is it super crazy or weird, but I was there for so long with my friends. Longer than I think I'd ever been in a place during van life. I think earlier I said, like, a few weeks when it was actually closer to, like, eight weeks. And there was... A few of us there, there was, I think, four vans, and we all just were there for eight weeks together. And, like, because we were in this one spot for so long, that also kind of, like, just that view that we had well, is just burned into my memory. And, like, so I kind of view it as as pretty magical. Like, I can't wait to – we actually had – this is kind of sad, but we had a dog pass away while we were there, not one of my dogs, um, but there was a dog that passed away. And so we, this was also not in the national park. Let's note that, but we did bury the dog. <laughs> so, um, but we, we buried this dog there and we spelled her name out in like rocks. And so it's, it's kind of so in the middle of nowhere that I literally cannot imagine anyone ever seeing that or it being disturbed in any way. Um, and so we all kind of talk here and there of like when we'll be able to get back to that site and get to visit her. And, you know, it's just things like that. You, when would you ever experience burying a beloved dog in a beautiful place in the desert and having your closest friends around you with headlamps on at night, burying, like, you know, it just is... It was such a life experience, like as sad as it was, I, like the whole time I was kind of just in the back, like, wow, this is what, this is really special. Like not a lot of people get to experience something like this. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, I know that's not probably the greatest answer of all time, but it, 
yeah, I, I think I have more special places than I do weird or even like sketchy because I'm pretty strict on where I sleep. I don't sleep anywhere with no cell phone service or where I've seen like bad reviews of and things like that. So I'm yeah, I think that goes back to the original thing of like, what's the stuff that you didn't expect, like is better than you would expect. And and you that's the thing you could never imagine, right? Oh, I'm going to get quarantined. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get quarantined in Joshua Tree, which for the record, I've never been. And so I do think it's magical because on very top of my list, it's like right at the top of the places I want to see in the US because it's so unique. And so like you never could imagine I'm getting quarantined here eight weeks or so we're with other people like we have this experience that no one else on earth has had and and so you know a lot of times in our lives we can point to like oh this person is a lot like me they down the street they you know similar lifestyle whatever but you're like no one else had that experience no one else is gonna have that experience and the only reason you could have it was because three years ago you said hey i'm gonna take a chance i'm gonna go do this it's calling me and I put myself now in a situation to have this magical moment. Yeah. And just kind of going along with that, I have never known friendships like I have since being on the road. Like if I'm grateful for anything during this time, it is making a decision three years ago that was so crazy and so true to who I am as a person that I like opened up myself to meeting people who are more like me than I ever thought. Like there's no having to fit in or like being a certain way or a certain person when I'm around my friends who also live in vans. There's no conversation too gross. There's no conversation too embarrassing. Like you, it is, it is wild what my mind has been open to in terms of like how relationships in your life should be because I followed something that was like so true to myself that like I'm now in a community of people and I'm just like, oh my God, like I don't think I had many friends before this. Like now that I'm thinking back on old friendships, I'm like, no, 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 this is definitely what this is supposed to be like. Yeah, we we talk a lot about that inside our Location Indie community because it, you know, it's not van life, although there are a lot of van lifers, but it's this idea of not wanting to work a regular job, wanting to build something location independent so that you can have the freedom to travel, whether that be van life, international, whatever, or or like me, have a home base and go wherever you want, whenever you want. And what's so cool about the community, it's not, it's not like, oh, me, look at me, it's Trav or Jason who helped me co-found it. It's that when people join, they're like, I just didn't know anyone else who was doing this. And I feel such an instant bond. We use like the hashtag like called Insta bond because like we ran a meetup in New York City and there was 12 people there when I sat down at the table and there was not even an introduction. Like I sat down and it wasn't like, oh, my name's this. I work here. Here's what I do. It was like I don't, the conversation was just like lit from the moment it started and it was about deeper level stuff and we you know people were sharing stuff that they probably wouldn't even share with their parents because it was like their hopes and dreams and you skip all those niceties and everything and ex explanations of why you want to do it and you just jump right in because you're like these people get it like i gotta unload right it's like almost going to a therapist it's like let me just unload on these people because they get it and they understand me yeah, I tell my best friend all the time that she is better than my therapist. Like, it's such a sense of belonging that you just don't feel until you find your people. Um, and it's just so true that, like, you kind of really got to keep working at finding those people until you do. And when you do, like, you just know it. And, yeah, like I said, it's 
belonging is like really the word that comes to mind for me because it just is yeah it, it, like you said it's so natural from the beginning because you have so much in common you're just immediately like I mean my life is vans and so I like talking about it and so I mean within five seconds we're talking about vans and then 10 minutes later we're talking about mental health and then 20 minutes later we're talking about like anything like super deep like you know things that yeah like you said we haven't told our families or our parents my parents have learned a lot about me even through my podcast because I feel more comfortable like you know I, I I'll do like a therapy session or I'll talk to my best friend Katie and we will go so deep into these conversations and then I'll like jump on the podcast and I feel so like wound up on those topics and so then my parents will call me after they listen and they're like oh okay <laughs> we never talked about that before and I'm like yeah yeah, just learned it, it myself. <laughs> yeah, once you once you start figuring it out and giving yourself space, and that's I, I think the way you put it, like giving yourself space and freedom, and that's what was calling you to do this. Like, I need to get out of th- what I'm doing right now. This job that is toxic. These, you know, maybe not all these people that are toxic, but you know, this toxic situation, and just get out and and give myself space to find out who I am. And once you do, yeah, it's hard to you, you can't put it back right? You can't put yourself back in a bottle. And I think that's the freeing part too, is knowing, hey, now I know this, I'm not going back and I don't have to. And it might not be easy and it's not going to be simple. And and you're going to have obviously rough patches and obstacles, especially when we're talking about running a business and, and creating a life, you know, that that involves a lot of moving parts and not just I'm taking a trip in my van. But you know that when you're doing it, you're like, yep, I'm not going back and and I've proven to myself I don't have to because you've now done it for three years. Yeah, and once you've built those relationships with people who understand you on that type of level when you are going through rough patches, it's like a newfound you know, just realizations of like working through those types of things. Like you're no longer doing it alone. You're no longer doing it with friends who are kind of like, oh, okay, you know? And like, as I still have like really close friends from back in back in the day pre-van life um but I can't call them the way that I call my the friends that I've made since being on the road you know we have more surface level relationships which is okay um but when I'm going through really hard times I do call those friends who I know are going to like talk me down talk me through it and so even the challenges become a lot easier because of the people that I've met you know kind of drag me through the mud for me. <laughs> completely, completely. So I know you do a lot of research and you've been prepped and you know what to expect and you make sure you're not in sketchy situations and all that. But that doesn't mean you haven't had stuff come up that have been mishaps. What has been your biggest travel mishap? Yeah, this is <laughs> it is one of my favorite stories that I don't tell often because I understand how, I mean, just flat out stupid I look. Um, but like I said earlier, I like sleeping in hotel parking lots. And I like going in at like later at night though, because I, you know, I wait until it's dark. So no one kind of just sees me sitting in the parking lot. And so I was parked in Fresno, California, and I pulled into a grocery store to feed my dogs, take them out for a walk for the last time, do all of my like nightly things where I would be outside. Cause I also, once I get to where I'm sleeping, I don't typically leave my van and So I was doing all of that and uh, it came time to go to the hotel. So I pull into the hotel parking lot and like the most obvious space that I could pull into was essentially like up against the building. So if I was going to be pulling into it, I'd be like my the nose of my van would be right up against the building itself. Hopefully that makes sense. Well, 
for no <laughs> no reason at all. I just don't think you're expecting where the story is going. Um, I pull into this parking space, and instead of hitting the brake, I just slam the gas. And I do mean slam the gas. And so I go flying forward into the building, and there's like a glass wall in front of me and it was thankfully a little bit far enough to the side because I could see I mean I I know this sounds like I'm making it up but I swear to god I've I, I can just envision this moment so perfectly there was a man in the room that was right in front of me so he's watching me almost drive into his hotel room and the like the fear on both of our faces is just I mean incredible and luckily so his the glass on that side is like that's on the left side of my van on the right side was like a brick pillar right before the actual building itself so when I slam the gas I just go flying into I I didn't see the pillar and while my life is flashing before my eyes so all I saw was him and I thought I was about to hit this man and go through the wall but the right side of my van caught me into the pillar. So instead, now just bricks are coming down onto my van. And I've literally just dished the, I mean, like, the, like the building's falling apart because I just went so hard into it. Um, I mean, I destroyed this pillar and the front half of my van. Um, thankfully, it wasn't totaled. I mean, bless. And so... Uh, the staff comes running out, obviously. Now people are coming out. I'm shaking. I'm not even crying because I'm, like, so in shock. And my biggest... I didn't have Pearl yet, so I just had Ella. And so, I like, it freaked Ella out terribly. So I'm, like, consoling her. I My van is at this ridiculous angle because of just how I did it. And... So I like open my sliding door, all the glass, I have mason jars everywhere. If you see my van ever, you know what it looks like. There's more glass than any van lifer ever should. And so there's just shattered glass all over. I open the sliding door and there is already staff outside. um, And like guests are coming out just like I'm, I'm a crowd of people. And so the guy's like, uh, we called the police. Like we called the manager. Like what's, are you okay? What, what just happened? And I was like, I have no idea. I, I I just hit the gas for no reason. Like, don't know why. Should have hit the brake. And so the police come and I have to do like hours worth of sobriety tests. And um, I mean, all in all, they were incredibly apologetic. Like, not apologetic. That was not the word I meant to use. Incredibly kind. I meant to say apologetic because at one point the manager who came... She was like, I'm so sorry. I thought that when I got here, you were going to be like a crazy drug addict, like running rampant who just happened to like crash into the hotel. And now that you're just like a young woman with a dog and at the time Ella's like a little puppy. And she was like, I just feel so bad that like you're having to live this nightmare right now. And I was like, thank you. That is super relieving. (laughs) It's so sweet. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just go through hours worth like of the stuff with the cops. And then the cops ended up telling me, you don't have to call the police. He was like, you didn't actually commit a crime. I thought I was going to jail. I literally was like, um, so what are we going to do with my dog? And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, like, are you going to take her somewhere? Like what, what happens to my dog? And he was like, well, she's just going to stay with you. And I was like, you're not arresting. (laughs) And he was like, well, no, you didn't commit a crime. And I was like, I hit an establishment. I thought that I definitely, there was a law about that. Um, and he was like, you're not intoxicated in any way. It was a mistake. Like, nothing nothing really happened. And insurance will take care of everything else. So, 
if that happens to anyone, you do need to call the police because they need the police report. But you didn't actually commit a crime, and the police told me technically I, I didn't need to call them, but I did. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was terrifying. I ended up staying in a different hotel for, like, two weeks while my van was fixed because it was a ridiculous amount of damage. And, yeah, it was terrifying. That was probably the dumbest thing I've done on the road, and I literally crashed into a hotel. And it was just splendid. The only thing that would make that story better is if then you spent two weeks staying at that, at hotel, that hotel. You know, that I'm not going to lie. The manager did offer me a discount, but I had a dog and uh, she really felt horrible, but they did not allow dogs. And she was worried that not only would like she be allowing the person who just crashed into the hotel, but also allowing a dog that's not supposed to be there. Um, and so, yeah, I did not stay there. And I was so embarrassed. There was never a chance I would stay at that hotel. It was a nightmare, but it was definitely a learning experience. I don't know. Don't crash into hotels. But just imagine, I mean, it's like 10 p.m. I'm ready to go to bed, literally. Like, I'm expecting me to be asleep in 15 minutes. And instead, it was like 4.30 a.m. And I'm, like, trying to walk in a straight line for these police officers. And, I, yeah, it was just... For somebody with anxiety, I was like, I don't need these 30 people watching me all night while I perform sobriety tests and talk to the police officers because I'm the one who crashed into a hotel. Thanks, guys. Well, let's hope that's the only time that you crash into a hotel. It doesn't matter how long you got the van. Let's hope it's the, the one and only time because it makes a good story in yeah, hindsight. I mean, I do now every time I go to like if I'm going up against any building for any reason, I am so like triggered by the idea and I'm just like sitting there like okay that's definitely the break it's definitely the break it's definitely the break <laughs> I just like I always am so cautious of it now because I'm just terrified of doing that again I don't know how, how like I've been driving since I was 16 years old my brain just like just totally checked out for a second just a mistake just a mistake well Sydney thank you for sharing that story even though you said oh it makes me sound stupid listen we all have dumb things that we have done especially when traveling I mean it's it's, it's part of the experience um, so thank you for sharing that thank you so much for joining me today and and showing that's possible for anyone to live a van life and you know whether you're someone who's saying I'm, I got to do it this is me or you're interested in doing it Definitely, definitely go check out everything that Sydney has. Remind people one more time how they can come get a hold of you. Yeah, so first thing is Instagram. Um, I, I just like communicating with people through Instagram. So that is Divine on the Road, D-I-V-I-N-E, Divine. Um, and then my website is in the bio of my Instagram, but that is DivineOnTheRoad.com. My podcast is My Solo Road, probably probably findable wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um and also, I just started TikTok. <laughs> if you're down with TikTok, uh, that's also Divine on the Road. So just type that into whatever you're doing. Nice. So you go from not wanting to show yourself on Instagram at all to now you're on TikTok. There I know. You go. Well, that's that's it growth. Was, it was really sweet because a lot of people that follow me, real like they listen to the podcast and they know kind of where like they followed the progression of me even ever doing an Instagram story where I was facing it. And now me doing TikTok and they're just like, oh my God, girl, this journey is like, it is one for the books. And I'm just like, thank you. Thank you. At least the work I'm doing on myself is very apparent because I am online. So it's nice to have people kind of cheer me on through that. Awesome. Divine on the road. You guys can find it basically anywhere uh, when it comes to social media. Go check out the podcast too. We will link everything up in the show notes. You can find that extra pack of peanuts.com slash shows. Thanks again, Sydney. 
I'm Thank glad you. you got to spoil yourself with a hotel room that, that we, or we, me, I always say we, but we got to be the reason that you could spoil yourself. It's well worth it. You deserve it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I'm I, like, now I have a whole day to myself and all of tonight and tomorrow. I mean, now, I, yeah, I, I guess 15 get to sit here and You got to start right now. Better get on it. I'm, over, I'm just happy to be in air conditioning. It's like 97 outside. I'm good on that. I'm just happy to be, yeah, so true. here. So true. Thank you everyone <laughs> Thank for you. tuning in today. For your continued support, that makes us Top Ready Travel Podcast. Until next time, everyone, happy free travels. I'll show you